Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast, sponsored by Vermeer, your expert in forage equipment. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Kent Thompson. Kent and his team are responsible for developing industry-leading innovations for hay and forage equipment at Vermeer Corporation in Pella, Iowa. Today, we're going to hear some of the stories about some of the largest Vermeer innovations that have come out. Things like the ZR5, the self-propelled baler that we've talked about already, the bale hawk, some of the trailed mowers. Kent and his team are are the ones doing all of this innovative work, so it's really exciting to have you on today. Welcome, Kent. Thanks for having me. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. I guess a little background for me is uh, I grew up on a small farm in uh, northeast Nebraska, typical small farm row crop. Had some livestock. My dad uh, custom baled little square bales mm-hmm. uh, growing up. So I guess that's where I first got into the hay business a little bit, if you want to call it that. And uh, in high school, I actually I, I started welding at a, a livestock panel place. There. My neighbor was uh, maybe six miles away. So I do that in the summers. And uh, it's kind of my first glimpse of, I guess, engineering and where I guess I started really doing some fab work. That's, that interests me a lot. You know, I'm a kind of a lifelong tinkerer, I guess, if you call it that. From there, I went to University of Nebraska-Lincoln, got my degree in ag engineering, uh, went to one of the majors for a little while, and then uh, then I got on with Vermeer, and I've been there about 25 years since. So hard to believe it's been that long, but uh, throughout that, I worked on brush chippers, uh, quad track trenchers, most of our forage product lines, um, but not all of them, but most of them. And then, yeah, my current role is R&D manager for Forage Innovations. So uh, I get lucky. I get to lead a team of some talented engineers and developers and technicians. You know, we work on some products, uh, hopefully, that are not in the market today. So it's it's kind of neat. You know, we're kind of bounded by, I guess, forage-related. But uh, in a nutshell, you know, we research some new technologies and kind of in all industries around. doesn't matter what it is it's in. And try to find ways that we can apply it to help improve some life for some producers. So I guess in a nutshell, that's what we do. But Let's dive into some of the specific product lines that you've worked on. In the introduction, we talked about the ZR5, the Bailhawk, trailed mowers, and I got a little tip about trailed mowers at an airport. Can you tell that story? <laughs> Probably not as glamorous as maybe you're thinking there, but yeah, it's a pretty simple one. Uh, it's been a while, I'll just say that too. Back when I was a project engineer for the mowers and mower conditioner team, um, we were in a focus group. We were trying to improve our, our three-point mowers. One of the primary issues they had was hookup. You know, if anybody's hooked up a three-point mower, uh, at least the old style, it wasn't that much fun. There were some smaller companies starting to develop a caddy and uh, got thinking, it's like, well, why don't we just build that into the mower? Literally on the way home from that event, we drew a little sketch up on a napkin and And I guess uh, the rest is history, I guess. Pretty simple deal, but sometimes the simple ones are the best. (laughs) I I would agree with that. I think if you start getting too fancy, you you lose some of the beauty of a good idea, right? (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I think we kind of hit the sweet spot on that one a little bit. So Now, on the podcast, we've heard about the innovations around the large round baler. We know that there there, there was a little round baler earlier on, but really the first modern round baler was a Vermeer, right? Yeah. Now you've gone quite a ways past that. Can you talk about the ZR5? How did that project start? Tell us the story. <laughs> you know, of course we were in our, in our R&D role here. And um, I guess I've been a ZR zero turn radius mower fan for a long time, just mowing your yard, let's say, you know, and that's kind of mm-hmm. got popular over the last 
10, 15 years. Just sitting on that, you're just thinking, man, there's why can't we apply this to the bailing? Because it's not that different. You know, I've been around bailers a bunch and, and over my time at Vermeer. And so I've been a big fan of that forever. And I thought somehow we got to put those two together. So finally one day I kind of, I guess I sketched one up and uh, presented it to the right folks. And <laughs> yeah, so we ended up starting on it really rough, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, so one one of the cool things about my team is that we're able to move quick and fast. So we, we literally... Uh, Started in, I think it was September of 15-ish, somewhere in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we had it driving, uh, out, pull it out of the shop uh, before Christmas that same year. So, you know, we were able to learn really fast and quick, you know, does this even make sense? And it kind of all started from there. And that was a super fun project because, I mean, every single day, or not every day, but every week anyway, it seemed like somebody had a new idea, you know, with this new platform. Uh, without the you know the, the Baylor tractor platform, we could do so many more cool automation things mm-hmm. that really didn't cost anything else, and we already you know maybe had that sensor to do some of those things. So it just it was just a fun project. You know, it was just a challenging project too because we were trying to keep it, people from seeing it. So we we'd move it at night and we would tarp it, and, <laughs> and uh, man, we'd have people taking pictures of it out in the fields, and we they did see us, and you know we'd politely go ask them to hey, could you maybe not share that and amazingly all these people didn't put it out on the internet you know it's so easy now because something on the internet so yeah. thank you to all those people that did that <laughs> it was pretty cool times you know so now that that's a fun story i want to dive into something that's a little newer than even the zr5 bailers that bailhawk and <laughs> and i'm such a fan of automation i i love the idea now, I'm a younger generation that has sure. played Farming Simulator, and the one of the <laughs> first things I did when I played Farming Simulator was went and found the, the mods, the modifications to the game to download, to put into the game where I could have autonomous tractors. There you go. <laughs> and I, I love that. And you're doing this in real life. Yeah. I know there was a basis for the platform that you started with, but then can you talk through, oh boy, all the sensors and the programming and, and just all of the things? Oh, I can try to, uh, what I can tell you anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. So again, obviously picking up bales, uh, it's not the most fun thing to do <laughs> after you bail the huge field, uh, with bales. So, uh, basically started out, how do we, how do we start this project? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm an ag engineer and <laughs> we didn't have a ton of, ton of software guys on that time. You know, this is even before the zero five and some of that. So just started trying to figure out what we could. And, you know, Vermeer is a, a pretty large company. So we had some folks that some were software guys. So they, they helped us out a little bit. In a nutshell, we, um, we really tried to figure out how to the best way to pick up the bale because what we kind of found out is what you see today is certainly not the first machine we had that we thought we were going to use. Uh-huh. So it's about the third. Uh, what we found out is you really need a pretty good piece of equipment as well as software and sensors to help you out there. So, but we, today we use uh, we use a lidar. Uh, we've tried some different sensors there as well, but mm-hmm. we use that to uh, kind of find the bale. And then we use uh, GPS to navigate the machine to to where it needs to go. And we have kind of what we call a scour pattern to kind of search the field mm-hmm. to make sure we don't miss any bales. Once we we see that bale, what we call the world map, we lock it into uh, a location. And then we basically plot a navigation path to go pick up that bale. And then we have a series of macros. We pick up three bales at a total of three bales. So we'll pick up the first bale, second bale, third bale, and then we'll go unload it into a stack that we pre-describe. 
on an edge of a field today, or it could be in other spots as well. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's what we do. There's a PC in it or a software in it, but uh, getting that smaller and smaller as, as we go along. But uh-huh. there's plenty of processing that goes on there. Um, we have an app that today that we're using that notifies us when we have uh, we see some objects when he detects an object that's not a bale mm-hmm. you know the machine's smart enough right now to try to avoid that obstacle if we can so if it let's just say if you or I walked up to the machine you would it would try to uh, move away from it actually slow down first if it got too close mm-hmm. and then try to try to maneuver away from you and if you ran up to it faster, it would actually stop if it got too close. Hmm. Uh, currently, that's our testing test sensors that we have on there today. Mm-hmm. But then we would get a notification that, of that too. So let's just say a deer or something come up to the machine and stop the machine. We would get a notification and then uh, go check on the machine or potentially say, hey, no, it's just a deer and it moved away and now you can go. But So those are the type of things we're working on, you know, trying to develop and get those... Uh, finalized and tuned Mm -hmm. Um, so we're doing a lot of testing with that right now in these days let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor from the hay field to the feed bunk look to vermeer you've got livestock to feed you know about our lineup of mowers rakes and balers now we're taking our legacy to the bunk introducing the vermeer lineup of vertical mixers and feed wagons 20 different makes and models to fit your operation Durable, long-lasting components and accurate scales with Bluetooth capability. From the field to the feed bunk, look to Vermeer. I took a, a process management course in class. This is this was heavy on statistics, but one of the problems, and maybe you can't talk about this, but <laughs> one of the problems in this automation and something that's super hard to do that humans are really good at, but computers are bad at, is the milkman problem is plotting the shortest course between a whole bunch of points. And and the milkman's problem is the milkman's delivery route, right? How do you yep. plan out the most efficient route to get to those bales? Yeah. Could We've you... had lots and lots of discussions on these. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I see. This is a question. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can answer that exactly. But, okay, uh, no trouble. What I can say is travel time is is today is uh, a significant portion. We have some algorithms in there to get us pretty close, I guess I would say. And I'll be honest, today we're, we're more worried about making sure we pick every bale and uh, that, we, uh, that we're safe and those type of things versus being absolutely optimized to save every last second. Because sure. in the end of the day, nobody's on it running. Yep. Yes, you got some fuel costs and a little bit of that, but in the end of the day, it's a pretty small amount. So time will tell, you know, uh, it's a prototype. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll right, just right. say that. So, but uh, we're learning, uh, we're learning a lot. I'll say that. So. Okay. So we've talked through a couple of these innovations. Where does your process start? What inspires your team to think up these new ideas and machines? You know, for me, it's not like just sitting down and thinking about something, you know, I think our team, we get out a lot, you know, it starts by spending enough time out with producers or in the field, trying to understanding what, you know, what are they looking for? What are the limitations of the current, the current technologies and how can we apply some of this new stuff that we've learned? You know, I think that's, kind of where it all starts for our group anyway. 
we collaborate a lot, discuss a lot of things. <laughs> we'll take input from anybody. Uh, if anybody's got an idea or whatever, it's not like it just comes from our team either. But, you know, I guess for me personally, you know, at windshield time is where sometimes ideas like, oh, maybe we did that, you know, and you know, driving that way and then maybe make a quick sketch sometime. We're pretty lucky in, in our forage team that we have a lot of uh, good experience. <laughs> I guess I'd say of industry knowledge, knowledge as well. You know, so we can bounce ideas off of there and, and bring some key people in when we need to to, to discuss through them and, and whatnot. So so that's pretty nice. But I guess that's kind of how our process works. We kind of, if people got ideas, then we kind of brainstorm on them. And sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. So Now you said sometimes they don't. Can you give me, <laughs> what, 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 has, what did you try that didn't work? Well... No, there's been lots of things. I'm not sure how many of them I could talk about, to be honest, because you never know. To be honest, sometimes it's, you know, maybe that sensor technology or some other thing just wasn't right or the timing wasn't right. So we, we decided not to go through with it. But sure. I, I kind of mentioned like the Bailhawk. If you were to see the first two machines that we thought we were going to pick up bales with, it looks a lot different than the one you see today. Uh, that is for sure. So, uh -huh. you know, we, we certainly fail enough, you know, but we like to say we fail fast so we can learn from it and, and move on, you mm -hmm. know, instead of wasting a bunch of time on a, on a design that maybe isn't going to work. Uh -huh. If we can vet that out really quick, that's that's a win for us, to be honest. So. I hear you telling me stories about drawing stuff out on napkins, and of course, it's it's much more sophisticated than that. And for the end product, right? There's a whole host of oh boy, probably engineering designs and production flow designs and all sorts of things like that. But Vermeer started out of kind of a farmer innovation spirit, right? Oh, absolutely. What? Very, yeah. Would you say that today's Vermeer team is still motivated by that same vision? Oh, I think so. Yes, but you know, especially in you know our my group, uh, you know, Forge Innovations. I don't want to say we're encouraged to fail, but <laughs> we're we're not limited by. Uh, I guess we're encouraged to try things that are maybe outside of the normal. We're allowed to be. We don't really have deadlines. Let's say we have seasonal deadlines, of course, to go test things. Right. But uh, but in the end of the day, you know, we want to try to make things better. We don't. My team is you know not trying to get just that small incremental improvement that's absolutely needed but we're looking for that next big thing so yeah like i said we're kind of encouraged to do that and then and you know i think gary was a pretty free thinker on that type of stuff too and did some pretty cool stuff and uh so i think we're, we're still encouraged today at least in my team for sure it's pretty fun that in that regard your team has the ability to think something up go and build a prototype and put it in the field relatively fast yes but getting that new product on the production line and out in mass, that's way bigger, right? That is a much bigger process, correct? <laughs> to do it, you know, in today's world, uh, you know, to make sure it's reliable and, and functions, and it, it's it's a big task for sure. We've had some discussions on equipment designs, and in the Hakings world, there's a few folks that are really vocal about how equipment should be built, and generally they're <laughs> they're farmers saying. Yep. Build it a little heavier. What's the what's the trade-offs that you struggle through as you're designing these pieces? There's a, t a ton of variables there that I I'll, I'll miss probably half of them, but you know it's it's certainly cost versus durability versus reliability, all those things, and versus productivity, ease of use, all those things are are very important. You know, and, yes. You know, you try to weigh all those and. Yeah, I've developed a lot of different products out there. <laughs> and to be honest, each product is a little bit different. You know, some pieces of equipment uh, just need the, 
maybe be a bit more durable and that kind of thing. And and, and some things I don't want to say are, are are less expensive. or just you know are just maybe not quite as heavy duty. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, but there's a, there's a market for the, some of those things too. So it's just trying to understand what what does that customer really want. And you know, I you know, we listen in to to a lot of these folks on 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 your podcasts and the, the Facebook pages and that type yeah. of thing. And and understand you know both sides of the fence there. You know, and there's a there's a happy balance there that we're we're always trying to figure out. Um, <laughs> this is this is the art of yes. design, right? Not that's right. There's there's yeah. not so much science to it. It's a little bit of understanding the customer and and then building that product to the customer and. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. And um, to be honest, my group has been a little bit away from that side of it. We're more worried or working on the next big thing, I guess, if you want to call it that. So we're trying to, you know, don't get quite into those details that that some folks do. And yeah, when you're talking about shaft diameter and which bearing do you use, you just throw bearings in there and go and see if it works, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we do. You know, we do some. some uh, some calculations and that kind of thing in some FEA, but you know to get to that next level, you'd you'd start doing a bit, quite a bit more FEA and 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 do more. We have a fantastic test facility here that we can do a lot of our hydraulics and drivetrain testing and that kind of thing. So again, we're just trying to figure out does this concept work? Does it make sense in the market? Yeah, and then then we make that decision after that. So it's a little bit different for our group. What I just heard you say is you're so far ahead. You're five years, maybe ten years from where you start to where the finished product comes out what's what's that time gap there yeah i mean it depends on the product you know um <laughs> crops a, a tricky thing you know ag and, and crop yeah. flow and those type of things can really make a difference and uh you, you will know as i know that those conditions aren't always the same year after year after year oh, so yeah. sometimes that's what takes a little longer to make sure it works in all those conditions oh, you know so yes. it can be you know if it's just Something I would say, quote quote, mechanical, or hydraulic, or something that's repeatable. Mm-hmm. Those are a little easier to solve, you know, most of the time, mm-hmm. because it's just either testing or calculation or or whatever. But crop flows a little, a little more can be a little more challenging at times. So, you know, I you know usually it's somewhere between one and five years I would say to get through all that testing and making sure you feel good about it. Evaluating the equipment across a range of conditions is what takes the most time in the design process. Yeah, I would say that's that's a. I've worked in like I said the different divisions at Vermeer, and uh, I think that's what makes forage difficult. Is crops change quite frequently, and you don't get a very long window to test them. I like uh, that. That that was a good tidbit that I hadn't considered before. Is testing in all sorts of different conditions is really what takes the time. That's my experience anyway, it feels like anyway. So you think you're 99% there and then you get in one or two crops and it's like, oh, what happened? You know. Then, then you take a trip so, to Florida and you realize oh, that, yeah. that, oh my gosh, <laughs> that, grass, right. that grass is really tall. Did we design it for different. this? <laughs> that's right. Then you get into some, you know, short cut interval alfalfa that's six or nine inches tall and it has to perform or or make the decision it's not going to work in both of them and then it's that's a challenge in its own right so i appreciate your time today this has been fantastic i uh, just thanks for yeah, inviting me to your show man appreciate it awesome it, it's been wonderful having you